Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. Today's buzz Good, better, best, never let it rest. You know the rest of that from your childhood until the good is better and the better is best. That's what we're talking about. So let's talk about the business side of this. How can any corporation, any size, anywhere, any industry in the world partner with the right social enterprise at the right time to create sustainable and scalable social good Why? To support the world's future. It's a big goal. It's important to all of us. That was a mouthful I just said. Basically, you have a company, you want to do good for the world. There are organizations now called social enterprises that are out there innovatively doing sustainable good in different parts of the world in many different ways. How can you get together with those companies? How can you work together, collaborate, innovate together, and make a difference in the world? Hence, we go back to the buzz. Good, better, best, never let it Now you get it. Well, we have three experts in this field on the line with us today. We're going to be speaking with a gentleman at Google.org. We're going to be speaking with, of course, somebody at SAP for good. And we're going to be speaking with the founder of Livox, L-I-V-O-X, which was invented by Carlos Pereira in Brazil to solve a problem for people with communications disabilities. I know we have all three on the line. So let me start introducing each panelist. First, with their opening quote, and then we'll get them all on board. So first up, I'm very pleased to welcome Dr. Ari Meyer, Technology Program Manager at Google.org. Ari has sent me a quote from Steve Jobs. You all know who Steve Jobs was. And if you don't know why Steve was so important to us here at Game Changers Radio, it's because the day he passed away was the day we debuted this series, Coffee Break with Game Changers, October 11th, October 5th, 2011. Steve Jobs was the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Apple, CEO and largest shareholder of Pixar Animation Studios, a member of the Walt Disney Company's board of directors following the Pixar acquisition. He was the founder, chairman, and CEO of Next Inc. He's widely recognized as a pioneer of the microcomputer revolution of the 1970s. He changed the world, a lot of us would say, for good. Here's the quote Ari has selected. Technology is nothing. What's important is that you have a faith in people that they're basically good and smart. And if you give them tools, they'll do wonderful things with them, quoting Steve Jobs. Dr. Ari Meyer, welcome. Ari, how are you? Thank you, Bonnie. I'm really good, and I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you. Where are you calling from, by the way, Ari? From San Francisco, from our offices. Uh, okay, well, nice to have you. I think it's the first time we've had somebody at Google on the shows. We have many, many shows, and hope you'll come back. Are we tell me, are you a big fan of Steve Jobs? And how did you pick this particular quote for our topic today, please? Yeah, I am a big fan. I think that most people know Steve Jobs as a businessman, a CEO of Apple, and all these companies he started. What I find particularly interesting is his approach to innovation. So basically, he was a philosopher and some people would say. For him, it was not only about the final result or the product or the profitability to the company that the product will bring, but it was about the process of creation itself. And I chose this particular quote because it reminds me of two points. So first, technology is not something necessarily new. It's simply a sophisticated tool word for tools. 
And as we know, each tool has a limited scope of effectiveness. You know, a hammer is good for nails, but useless for screws. And the same way is true for all cutting edge high-tech tools we see around these days. Now, this brings me to the second point, and it's people around this quote. Because human ingenuity and people's ability to invent new tools to tackle problems, in my opinion, is virtually infinite. And this is both intriguing and inspiring, but also humbling. So just maybe put it a little bit in context, I'll share a few words about my team and what we do. I'm part of Google.org, which is the philanthropic arm of Google. And we see our mission as seeking out exceptional social entrepreneurs that use technology, use tools to tackle some of the world's biggest challenges. And what we do, we invest in their vision and we help them scale their work. But we also mobilize all of Google to help them realize these projects. So uh, a few words about my own professional background. I'm an engineer and I try to bring my own background to help the team run due diligence on new projects, evaluate them, but also work with the social entrepreneurs and help them refine their vision and make it into reality. Thank you very much, Ari. Nice to meet you. And you're here because of what you just shared with us. And, and to me, the most interesting part of what Steve Jobs quote, wonderful quote you selected, by the way. Thank you for that. And there are so many Steve Jobs quotes, and we've heard so many of them, but this is so perfect for us. Having faith in people that they're basically good and smart. And that's really, isn't that, Ari, the core of corporate social innovation, of social enterprises? Isn't that what we're hoping and praying that people will have good in their heart that they'll want to do this? Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I think that Without people, technology is not enough. Definitely, we need the people that would take this technology and apply it to, uh, to solve some of the challenges that we are facing every day. And this is um, what we are doing as we are uh, creating challenges and identifying people that use the tools to solve some of the bigger challenges in the world. Absolutely. A pleasure to speak with you, Ari. Very, very happy you're here. We have a lot more to hear from you during the rest of the show. And now I'm very pleased to also welcome Carlos Pereira, the CEO of Livox, L-I-V-O-X, a company focused on creating innovative solutions for people with disabilities. And Carlos also is perfect for this panel, and we're going to be talking about his role as a social enterprise. A lot to hear from him. Carlos has sent me a quote from Daniel Webster. Daniel Webster lived from 1782 to 1852. He was a leading American senator and statesman during the era of the second party system, which was the political system in the U.S. back in the day. Let me see if I can find anything else here. During his, uh, yes, he was in the House of Representatives and the Senate. He was, oh, here's interesting. Daniel Webster was a spokesperson for modernization, but not for the common people who composed the the base of his opponents in Jacksonian democracy. He was a thoroughgoing elitist, and he reveled in it, his biographer said. Well, this should be interesting. Here's the quote Carlos has selected from Daniel Webster. Quote, if all my possessions were taken from me with one exception, I would choose to keep the power of communication. For by it, I would soon regain all the rest. It's a beautiful quote. Carlos Pereira, how are you? Welcome to Game Changers. Hello there, Bonnie. Hello, Ari. Hello, Nish. Hello, everyone. I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you. I know you had a little issue getting on the phone with us, but we can hear you fairly clearly and glad to have you. So are you a follower, a fan of Daniel Webster? How come you picked this quote today, Carlos? Well, uh, I am a father of a little girl. She's eight years old. Her name is Clara. 
uh, and she has cerebral palsy due to a medical mistake during my wife's labor. Mm. And because of that, she can't speak and she can't walk. So uh, I, I, I think I, I, I do agree with this quote because if you can communicate, you, you, can, you can do anything. But if you can't communicate, things get really complicated. Certainly do. Uh, uh, Carlos, we're, we're so pleased and actually honored to have you on the show. And you're, we're going to be talking with you later about why you do what you do, why you invented. We know it was based on your daughter, but you are serving the needs and solving issues for so many people in your part of the world, in Brazil and around the world. And, and you are basically you're our case study. So I thank you for being with us. Any thoughts on, um, what, what Ari Meyer quoted from Steve Jobs about people are basically good and smart and you hope if you give them tools, they'll do wonderful things with them. You're a living example, Carlos. Are you seeing more of this in the world today in your travels as you speak with other people? Is there a lot of good people want to do in the world today? Yeah, I, I think we must believe in people. Uh, I agree with Ari and also with Steve Jobs' quote. Uh, if you believe in people and if you give to them uh, the right tools, I think they can they can do amazing things. So yeah, I, I think it's an amazing quote as well. And tell me something before we introduce you. You reference Nish as Nish Pengali, of course, at SAP. You put this wonderful panel together. Carlos, uh, tell us a little bit about what is your invention? What is Livox? What does it actually do? Okay, Livox comes from liberty of voice. Okay. Uh, so there are over 1 billion people with disabilities on the planet. They are the biggest minority on Earth. And uh, many of them can't speak. Uh, no, no they, they can't communicate orally, okay? So uh, usually they are trapped inside their bodies. And uh, this is a, a, a huge problem. And so I had to create a solution to enable my daughter to communicate. Um, but what makes this solution unique is that it learns from every disabled person. Okay, we have some intelligent algorithms to analyze the touch of the imperfect touch of people with disabilities and also cognitive issues and also visual impairments. And this software uh, adjusts itself depending on the disability. Okay, so uh, that's what makes makes it great. Well, it certainly is. And tell me again, Carlos, Livox means what now? L the Lee stands for what now? I want to put this into a Twitter, into a tweet. Sure. Uh, actually, I was, we were, when I was, was creating Livox, I was talking to my wife and we Googled uh, many nice names and usually the nicest ones were already taken. And uh, we were thinking about to give freedom or liberty to people uh, through voice. Okay, so in Portuguese, freedom and liberty, they are synonyms. It's, there is only one word in, in, in Portuguese for freedom. It's liberdade, it's like liberty. And mm -hmm. vox is voice in, in Latin. So that's how it came up, Livox. Thank you. It's actually very beautiful, and I love the way it sounds. Carlos, thank you again for joining us. Hang on. We're going to meet Nish Pangali again now. Nish leads technology and acceleration programs within SAP CSR organization. That's short for Corporate Social Responsibilities. This is the second time she's bringing me a stellar panel to talk about this topic, social innovation, corporate innovation, uh, corporate good. SAP for good is, is the uh, handle we're using today on Twitter at hashtag SAP Radio. And Nish has selected for today's show a quote from Naveen 
Jane, J-A-I-N, a business executive, entrepreneur, and the founder and CEO of InfoSpace. Uh, InfoSpace, interestingly enough, was one of the contributors to the dot-com bubble. It briefly became one of the largest internet companies in the American Northwest before the crash. And, I, and they mention on Wikipedia, and before a series of accounting lawsuits. Uh, he also co-founded Moon Express, where he's the chairman. Interestingly, Jane was born in India and grew up in a poor family, earned an engineering degree, moved to the United States, worked for tech companies, and joined Microsoft. So there's a, uh, I wouldn't say rags to riches story, but there's a what can you do good in the world starting with very, very little. Here's the quote Nish has selected. We begin to change the world when we stimulate long-term prosperity using technology. There is not a problem that's large enough that innovation and entrepreneurship can't solve. Nish, welcome back. How are you? Thank you, Bonnie. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fine. I love this panel you've put together for us, and it's just my heart is swelling with with pride at being able to speak with you and your two panelists because of the idea of doing good for the world. So, Nish, love the quote from Naveen Jain. Are you a big follower of his? So, I'm actually, you know, I think what really sold me was how fitting the quote was against our great panel today and the speakers we have, which really crossed that technology and entrepreneurship theme. Um, So that really spoke to me. But Naveen, being a serial entrepreneur, how he's really pulled himself up from, as you talked about, poverty in India and this journey he's been on, and just some of the interesting ideas he has right now, um, you know, really focused on how do we get ourselves to travel to the moon and all sorts of other really radical ideas. Um, I just think he continues to live in that spirit of creativity and entrepreneurship. Um, and I think that's just really exciting to follow. So um, definitely a follower, but more so I thought this quote would really fit with the panel today. And interestingly, it was actually the last two lines that he was using to close out a Forbes article. So it wasn't mm-hmm. a quote that he was necessarily saying in a speech or had given in an interview, but it was just how he closed out the article, and I thought it was so beautiful. Um, And, you know, if I talk a little bit about how this quote fits, I sit in the corporate responsibility team and our agenda is really to look at how to find ways to help the world run better and improve people's lives with the power of SAP. And sometimes that feels like just technology. Um, But as the other speakers have alluded to, as Ari spoke about it, Carlos is doing day in and day out, this really speaks to the fact that technology alone is not enough. And it's really about building that capacity. And that can be realized through, you know, software for sure, but it can be also realized with time spent with technical experts. It could be technical initiatives. So we have a couple of initiatives going on where we're working with youth who are living in underserved communities and just enabling them with basic coding skills. And that could be using SAP technology and it could be using other open source technology. And so to add that component then of entre or entrepreneurship so that those creative ideas can be encouraged and nurtured, I think that's where everything kind of comes together and the greatest social good can be achieved. Thank you, Nish. Very eloquently put. I love the way the three quotes gel and come together, the three of you from Ari Meyer at Google, from Carlos Barrera at Livox, and Nish Pengali at SAP. A lot for us to think about. Well chosen. Now I'm going to circle back to Ari and ask him a very personal question. Ari, you know what's coming next. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, so I'm going to ask you what's in your cup today. What are you drinking? Or, if it's nothing of any interest to anyone except you, what would you like to tell us you're planning to drink later today? Ari, talk to me. 
So I thought about your question, Bonnie, and actually I thought, like, what, what, what should I, I, I don't want to, like, make up a drink. So I did okay. what I did when I, when, I did, when I was in grad school, and I basically started brewing my own kombucha again. And uh, let me tell you a little bit uh, about it. So I think most people are familiar with kombucha. Basically, it's like mm-hmm. fermented tea, and you can buy it in supermarkets. It's, uh, people believe it has a lot of health benefits. I think it originates somewhere in, around Siberia in East Russia. And it's a very popular drink in the Bay Area. People believe the probiotics give it numerous benefits, good for digestion and mental clarity and all these good stuff. Now, the thing is that I wanted to understand how it's made because I'm an engineer and in grad school, you know, I had more free time and I decided to experiment a little bit. So I ended up buying a, a, a culture. Basically, the way you make kombucha, you, you buy a culture, which is a combination of bacteria and yeast. And you start growing this culture in tea with sugar. And basically, the drink starts fermenting. And after a few days, you have this fermented tea with a very unique flavor. So I bought this culture from eBay and I started brewing my own kombucha and I decided to revive this habit because I felt like I want to do something unique for this show. So I have my own homebrew kombucha. Well, I'm very proud of you, and I, I love that you're going back to your, your student days. I looked up kombucha at, uh, on Twitter and found a whole bunch of places. There is some place in Mount Pleasant, their very own neighborhood kombucha brewery, Ari. They're proudly serving seasonal kombucha on tap, inspired by craft beer. <laughs> Can you, do you think the kombucha would lead, would lead well to uh, a beer flavor? So people do experiment with interesting flavors. People make coffee kombucha and yerba mate kombucha and everything. People put chia seeds in kombucha. So it's really becoming a mainstream. Now, I don't know how, you know, how long will this fad last, but it's definitely something that people are experimenting with. Well, I also found a place called GT's Kombucha that's handcrafting and bottling raw organic kombucha in Los Angeles since 1995. So I'm going to pop them into this tweet and see if they pick up on it, see if they're they're interested in what we have to say here. So Ari, wow. And what does it taste like, by the way? Is it palatable or is it like, ooh, what, what does it really no, it's, taste it's like? Definitely, I think most people would find it uh, like... Uh, fizzy drink that went a little flat and is more on the sour side. <laughs> I don't know if that description makes any justice, but it's pretty. De- I find it pretty delicious. And the I, I, I like, myself, I like you know, what you that. said. There you go. You have good in your heart, I can tell. Drink up. Skull. Okay. L'chaim. <laughs> I'll say l'chaim. We know what that is. Okay. Let's turn to Carlos Pereira. Carlos, I think you're in Brazil. Tell us what time of day it is and what are you drinking today, Carlos, to celebrate being on the radio with us? Okay. Now it's midday here in Brazil, so I just had lunch. Uh, I'm also curious about the, the drink that Eric just mentioned. I just Googled it and I saw seven... Seven, re- re- seven reasons to drink kombucha. So, yeah, I will read it and maybe I'll check later on. Thank you, Eric, for this. I, I didn't tell you to drink. Uh, well, I love coffee, of course, but uh, since it's so hot here in Brazil, always so hot, uh, so warm, the, the, the weather is so warm, uh, I think a juice is really nice, especially where I live here in Brazil. It's in the northeast of Brazil. We have some amazing uh, different uh, fruits in here. And there is one fruit named Kaja. It's C-A-J-A. It's a small uh, yellow fruit. And the, the juice is just delicious and refreshing. So 
I think this is a good uh, option, especially if you guys come over here to Brazil. But you, you need to be in, in the northeast of Brazil to have this. So I think it's really delicious. Well, you know what, uh, Carlos? I found something called Caja Fresca. It is so popular on Twitter that they have 95,000 followers. They've made almost 20,000 tweets. I think this it says, Starsi de Espiritu Optimista Ayudo a los demás a entender este planeta. Am I making any sense? Is that all Spanish? Do you understand that, Carlos? Yeah, I, I don't speak Spanish. I understand a little bit. But I, I don't know if Caja Fresca, maybe I just saw it on Twitter too, but I, I don't know if it's related to the fruit. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to put that in to see if they if they pick up on it, if they make a comment to us. So Caja Fruit Juice, thank you very much. Good drink. I like that a lot. And now we're going to turn to Miss Nish Pangali. Nish, where are you calling from? And what are you drinking today? I am calling from uh, Dublin, California, so I'm across the Bay Area from Ari. Yesterday, I was a bit closer in our Palo Alto office, and unfortunately, I'm sitting in a windowless conference room, but I, I think no. by now the sun's out. I came out <laughs> a couple hours ago, so it, it was pretty dark. Um, but this morning, I actually felt a little bit of a tickle in my throat, so unlike my usual sharing of my obsession with the mocha pot coffee, which is what I pretty much tell you about every time I'm on the show. Right. And I love it. I think about it before I go to sleep. Um, <laughs> today I decided to make some cha or chai, um, kind of going back to the Indian roots. And I've learned it from the best from my mom and my mother-in-law. So you basically just put about a cup or so of water in a pot and you add some cardamom pods. You crush those in a mortar and pestle. And I usually add in some fennel seeds. If I'm not feeling very well, I'll even add a tulsi leaf, which it's T-U-L-S-I. And my mother-in-law described it as just another type of basil. I'm not quite sure, but it's growing in my yard. So <laughs> pluck a leaf from there and throw it in. And if it's a full-on cold, then you can add all sorts of other things. So you can add some black peppercorn, some ginger, anything to add to that homeopathic feeling. Maybe it's subconscious, but it always makes me feel better. And so let that brew for a few minutes, boil and then I'll add in a tablespoon of black tea leaves, some milk, and then I strain it all and add just a little bit of honey. And then you have to remember not to drink it very fast because I've done that. And that's when you'll end up with a tongue burn that will probably last you at least a week. Um, so that was my morning drink on the way in the, on the way into the office this morning. Wow. Well, very interesting. I've got it here on Twitter on SAP Radio. Nish Pengali, SAP for Good is slow drinking chai tea with cardamom, fennel, tulchi, <laughs> honey, and ginger. So there, you are now famous for what you're drinking. Thank you very much, Nish. Nothing is safe here on SAP Radio as long as I'm tweeting. You know that. Very interesting drinks. I'm the boring one here today. Ari and Carlos and Nish knows what I drink. I'm drinking cool, clear Brita filtered water in a clear mug with a pink straw. Pink straws because I'm glad the sunshine is is back here on Long Island, New York, and water because they don't let me have caffeinated beverages on radio show days, and I'm just going to let that one sit and sink in. We are talking today about a very important topic, technology, people, good, social innovation, corporations partnering with social enterprises to bring good ideas and good deeds and good products and good solutions to parts of the world that need help or populations that need help. It's 
all about doing good. How can any corporation, including yours, whoever you are, wherever you're listening, how can you partner with the right social enterprise in the right way at the right time to create sustainable, scalable social good to support and encourage the world's future. It's a big job, and that's why we're speaking with Ari Meyer at Google, Carlos Pereira at Livox, and Nish Pengali at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to still be me after the break, so we're going to take a quick one and come back with a very lively roundtable, but I know you're going to want to stick around because this is a very interesting panel and a great topic. Corporate social innovation, good for society, good for business, part two. So I'm just going to say don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Justin out. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Indeed, and we're back talking about corporate social innovation. I don't care where you are, who you are, what you do. This is important. Listen up and learn. We're starting our roundtable now, although we really almost did before the break. Uh, Dr. Ari Meyer at Google Inc., uh, technology program manager, Google.org, excuse me, is he sent me some interesting comments in his notes before the show. I'm going to read a little and have Ari expand. Then we will have Carlos Pereira at Livox chime in and Nish Pangali at SAP and see where we go. So Ari says, While technology can be a useful tool, it is not a be-all and end-all solution. And then he's going to talk about the Google Impact Challenge Disabilities Program. Go ahead. I'm not going to just read this word for word. Ari, tell us, why is technology not the end-all and be-all? I thought technology was supposed to solve everything. Talk to me. (laughs) Thanks, Bonnie. This would be great if it did, but unfortunately, we know this is probably not the case. So maybe to put it a little bit in context, let me tell you about um, and our listeners about the program that we ran last year. And so Google Impact Challenge Disabilities is a program that is focused on solutions that help people with disabilities increase the number of opportunities and basically level the playing field. And the idea when we started this program was to identify entrepreneurs, specifically social entrepreneurs that are using technology to increase these opportunities for people with disabilities. And we use the the category people with disabilities in a very wide way. So Carlos mentioned that 
Um, according to World Health Organization, people with disabilities are the largest minority in the world. So there is more than a billion people that have a disability. So we really wanted to find what people are doing, what, how they use technology to uh, address some of the bigger challenges for people with disabilities. And to do that, what we did, we started an open call. So basically, we created a website to make it in very simple terms, and we asked anyone in the world to submit their best ideas and the way they would use technology to solve a challenge. And we collected more than a thousand proposals. And wow. what we learned from these proposals is that assistive technology is very important to people with disabilities, the way they use it already and the way that they could potentially use it. So this was our base, basically. From these thousand proposals, we tried to find the proposals that we believe would lead to the highest impact. And what that means is, in terms of scale, ideally we wanted to find solutions that would scale and eventually reach uh, as many people as possible. And we also to, wanted to find um, teams that would be able to execute. So I think that Carlos is a great example of both of these. Like, we really believe in his work because we think that Levox can reach a lot of people and we think that Carlos with his team can really execute and build something that could be super useful and impactful for this population. Very well put. Thank you, Carlos. That's a great introduction for you. Talk to us about the impact challenge and people with disabilities. What does this all mean to you? Add to what Ari said, please. Well, um, first of all, I would like to, to thank all the support that we are having with uh, SAP and also from Google.org. Um, so, yeah, I was one of the 1,000 that sent uh, an idea to Google, and uh, we've been selected by Google.org, and uh, I'm glad that Google made, uh, Google decided to make an investment on, on us. It's a grant of $550,000, so we can improve this technology. And the, the nice thing is that this technology later on will be open-sourced. So it will benefit not only Livox users, but it can potentially benefit millions of people with disabilities that today depend on any kind of alternative communication device. So uh, I think this is a nice way to create impact and also to, to improve people's lives. Uh, and uh, my goal uh, as a father of a girl with disabilities is to create the best in class for my daughter, and also uh, this can benefit not only my daughter, but it can benefit anyone in the world. Wow. Very, very important. And I, I love the way it all comes together. I, before I bring Nish in, Ari, a thousand proposals. Were you overwhelmed? How did you get through them? How did you find that needle in the haystack named Carlos Pereira and Livox? How long was the process to sift through all of these eager people who had ideas for you? What was that? Quickly, what was that process about, please? That's a great question. So we thought a lot about how to go this about efficient way, but also not to miss anything. So what we ended up doing is that each proposal was reviewed by at least two members of our team. So we wanted to make sure that at least each proposal was seen by at least more than one person. And then we ranked them based on a potential impact scale and team's ability to execute. These were kind of the big pieces. Also, technology was central because we wanted to um, focus on solutions that use technology. This was a must in each proposal. 
So we ranked each proposal in a numeric score, and then we sort of uh, identified the top ones, and we reached out to the people that send them in, and we started iterating. So this is what we do in Google. We launch and we iterate. Very interesting. I'm, I'm greatly admiring this whole process and the, just the idea of saying, hey, send us your ideas. Nish, join us, please. A lot of good conversation going on here. Nish, are you impressed with how this whole thing works? And how did you come to, how did you find Ari at Google? And how did you find Carlos to bring to the show today? Let's talk about your discovery process, Nish. So in terms of finding the panel, I mean, I was really fortunate. Timing is everything, right? And so Carlos had actually been someone I was trying to get in touch with as we were looking to highlight some of the stories of impact that we have had here in our corporate responsibility team, talking about where we have done some almost experimentation on how do we provide access to social enterprises and nonprofits to our technology, to our technology expertise? Is there a benefit in doing the mentorship? what will really help these organizations with specific scopes of work. And Leebox was a recipient of both mentorship that we had locally in our Brazil market unit, but also then a social sabbatical team, which is one of our great pro bono employee engagement projects that a colleague of mine runs where employees can go into a social enterprise or nonprofit, usually in an emerging market, and spend four weeks on the ground helping them with a scope of work, which, as you can imagine, is just such a win-win for the employees as well as for the recipient organization. If scoped well, of course, <laughs> and if the right people are involved. And so um, since we have had multiple touch points with Carlos and his team over the last few years, we wanted to talk a little bit about what has been the impact. I wanted to get a pulse check. So I had reached out to him, and through that, Carlos actually turned it around on me and said, hey, I'd really like to understand you know, who I can network with, how do we get Levox's story out, how do I get more momentum for this great work? And I'm so inspired by him, as everyone else I'm sure is who's hearing him, and you as well, Bonnie, that he mentioned that critical to his journey had been Ari and the work from Google Org. And so I had to talk to Ari, and then the show came up, and it just all came together. So I was very lucky. It sort of fell into my lap, which does not always happen. Um, and so that's that was how the show came to be. And in terms of the topic... Um, you know, I feel like just simply saying ditto to what Ari and Carlos have already said and letting the mic drop, but I don't think you're going to let me off the hook so easy. But I just think that, you know, this is one of those shows where we're naturally going to agree because we have a little bit of history in working together with Carlos, um, but I think our, our views are a bit similar. And I completely agree that technology is not, cannot be the end-all, be-all solution. And regardless of whether you're talking to a nonprofit, a social enterprise, or a for-profit customer, I think all of those organizations would agree and maybe just have varying degrees of support needs or requirements for getting technology up and running. Um, and I may have brought this up before, but I've had the chance to also network locally with others in the corporate responsibility arena here in Silicon Valley. Everyone's been incredibly collaborative, interested to know what each are doing. And specifically, I like to talk to people who are focused on the technology side of the house. Um, my background's also in product management side and transitioned to corporate responsibility a few years back. So, Ari, interesting to learn your background as well. And in looking at these tech programs for good, if you will, you know, how do we offer relevant and impactful initiatives at SAP? And time and time again, it's been clear in speaking with others in the space that if you just look at donating software, it's really doing a disservice to the sector. We really have to look at how do we build capacity, and mm -hmm. that typically requires engaging with 
these organizations in a partnership and looking at how do we provide that technical support. And so that is really something that I almost look now as a requirement before I will support any new initiatives going out the door, if I can help it, because I just think that those are the ones that are much more likely to be successful and have the impact that all of us, you know, mutually want to see happen. Thank you very much, Nish. Very interesting. I, I did promise at the beginning of the show that we would talk about when is the right time, the right way, the right place for uh, an enterprise, a corporation to partner with a social enterprise. And I want to make sure, perhaps instead of uh, predictions at the end, perhaps we'll go around the table and get a best practice from each of you. But in the meantime, before we get there, Carlos Pereira, I want to talk about a reality check for social enterprises, your Livox company. I'm going to read a little bit from your notes. I'd like you to chat about this briefly and then we'll get Nish and and Ari to chime in. You say many people believe social enterprises should not charge for their services. This is important. And Carlos says actually by charging for their services, these companies may have a healthy cash flow that enables them to innovate and continue improving the lives of the people their solutions serve. Carlos, is there a, a, a thought around the world that because you're doing social good, you should do it for free or as a nonprofit? What have you encountered, Carlos? Well, I think it depends on the place that we are, okay? In some places, for example, here in Brazil, social business, uh, it's something new. Uh, and so people are not used to, when you, and you have to say that you have to charge for this, okay? So some people think, hey, you are making money because of your daughter's situation, but that's not the case. Uh, but in some more mature markets like the U.S., for example, this is more uh, reality than in Brazil. But I, I think, just like you said before, uh, getting this cash flow is really critical so we can continue doing research and development and improving the products and uh, making a better product and better solutions for, for uh, anyone who needs our solutions. Interesting. Uh, Carlos, there's also something in there. I don't think it's shameful to say it. Why shouldn't the people coming up with solutions be able to make a good living and take care of their families? Why shouldn't they have money to do things? Just because you're doing social good doesn't mean you need to be a martyr. Nish, I want you to chime in on this. Thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that something that Ari, I know, is really passionate about, and Carlos is certainly continuing this, is the idea of open source technology and freeware. And SAP is being very selective in what we look at offering in that as well. Um, I think certain technologies make sense to offer freely. We should always have certain things that people can start to use, and we should have a low barrier of entry for that level of innovation. Um, And so we're looking selectively at what makes sense there, and there's some really exciting applications that we do have out. But on the other hand, you know, we've found this both in our for-profit channels, but also I've experienced it firsthand on the donation side of the house, which is the concept of some skin in the game. And so, you know, this might peek already into the best practice idea, but there really needs to be some due diligence around the capacity of an organization to receive software, to be able to use it. Do they have the resources? Do they have the time? Um, You know, all of those components outside of what is being offered to make that right decision to be able to give it. And so I have found that more recently in some of our larger donations where we're really offering, you know, end-to-end ERP solutions with implementation, um, that there should be some skin in the game from the organizational side to make Mm -hmm. sure that that 
solution donation is sustainable, that there's capacity by the receiving organization to be able to use it long term, that this will not be a lowered priority over time. Because in the end, if that happens and the organization stops using it once you walk away, you know, what was the point? You actually cause them more pain probably. And so we have found that with some of those more significant donations, we will look at an organization's ability to pay for either partial or full-on annual maintenance, you know, something to keep this a priority for them that they are actively contributing. And, you know, I think it's a little bit of a different perspective, but complementary to what Carlos was alluding to about there being, you know, a need to have that level of threshold. So that's Thank sort you. of my well, very well, honest well, feedback. Yes, Carlos, well, go ahead. Yeah. Sure. Uh, well, I would, I would like to add one thing. Uh, this is not just about money, okay? Uh, this is not mm-hmm. just a question about should I sell or should I give it for free? Mm-hmm. And I think that not only with social business, but with any business in the world, uh, you should not focus on money. If you focus on doing a good work, a good job, uh, then money will come, okay? So I, I think, uh, especially on this kind of business, social business, you should not at all uh, focus on money. You should focus on doing a great work for the ones who want to benefit, and then eventually money will come. Thank you. I think that's uh, similar to a quote from Henry Ford way back in the day. I think that's, uh, yes, if you're just in business to do money, you won't really be in business long. I like that. Thank you very much, Carlos. Ari Meyer, talk to us. Ari, what do you think? Yeah, I think I just want to add on what Carlos and Nish has already mentioned. The key thing for us when we evaluate proposals and we talk to social entrepreneurs is to remember social entrepreneurs are, first of all, entrepreneurs, right? They create a new business. Each new business needs uh, financing to operate Mm -hmm. and needs to cash flow to survive. And the key point that we're looking for is sustainability. So because we envision being involved just at at the beginning, so we come in, we help invest in the vision of the entrepreneur. How does this scale? Once we leave, how does this continue living? So we definitely want to see that the entrepreneurs we invest in have thought through the path forward. Now, um, there are lots of different ways to approach this. For example, some of the solutions that we saw, they might give away uh, their product, their software, or their device to some sectors of the population for free, but they might charge other populations that can pay for this device in a way that would allow them to cross-subsidize. Basically, they transfer this cash from one place and then they can sustain the R&D. And another point is that, remember that um, social entrepreneurship is just like any other company is trying to get the best talent that it can. And especially if you want to innovate technology, you need engineers, you need scientists to help you with that. And if you cannot, you know, at the end of the day, you go to a um, job market and trying to hire a software engineer, for example, and you need to be able to pay them a competitive salary. And if you cannot mm-hmm. do that, obviously you, you have a better mission and, and you have, uh, you're solving an important challenge for society. But at the end of the day, in, you need to be able to attract some of the top talent that you can afford. And this is where having a consistent cash flow will help you. So this is something that we think about when we evaluate projects and we make sure that there is a sustainability path looking forward. 
Thank you very much. Very important comments you just made. Now, I'm going to, let's see what time it is, 46 after. We've got 11 minutes left. I want to go around the table and let's get some best practices here. Uh, Ari Meyer at Google.org. Ari, when is the right time for a company? And let's leave, let's make this your observation about other companies because we already know how Google operates in your challenges to social entrepreneurs. What's your advice to companies around the world who are listening? We don't know how big they are. We don't know their industry. We don't know exactly what they do. We don't know anything about what they do. What's your advice to them if they're looking to do good through their technology, through their products, through their whatever money they have, whatever they can contribute? When is the good time? And how do they find the right social enterprise in which to invest and with whom to partner? Why don't you give me two right. minutes of your, your thoughts on that, Ari Meyer, please. That's a great question. I feel like, and it kind of ties into um, thinking about the future of CSR in general. I think that it's important to have the mission of the, CS, of, you know, the company's CSR department uh, to be aligned um, with the mission of the overall company, of the mothership, if you will. So mm-hmm. to the extent that this will be aligned, it would be easier for this company to identify interesting in- initiatives and also uh, offer additional value besides just the funding. Let's say if you are a company X and you have expertise in something, like for example, Google is a company around technology, around organizing information. So when we identifying topics for going forward, we're trying to see if there is alignment with the topic that we are choosing to focus on and the topic that we are um, uh, want to do our social impact work in. So I think that that alignment would allow the company to bring more than its own funding, would allow to bring technical expertise. For example, in the context of disabilities, we oftentimes engaged our accessibility experts and helped use their help and expertise to evaluate some of the proposals that we didn't necessarily have technical expertise on board to evaluate. Thank you very much. Interesting perspective. Carlos Pereira, from the other side, from the side of the social enterprise, when would a company like yours look for a partner? How do you know where to reach, to whom you should send your proposal if it wasn't something famous like Google? How many other companies did you approach? When do you know is the right time for you to say, hey, it's time to take this big and bold out into the world, but we need a partner, we need support? What was your decision like? Well, uh, as I said before, usually when, when uh, you are doing a job, usually people approach you, okay? So uh, I saw s- some entrepreneurs that they are always trying to uh, get in awards and doing a lot of things, uh, and they don't worry about doing a great job. So in many cases, uh, I was working, I was doing my job, and some companies or some other people, they approached me. They said, hey, we heard what you were doing, and now we want to talk to you. In Google situation, I approached Google, but in many situations, people approached me because we had already made a name. Uh, so, but I think, of course, uh, there are some strategic partners that you can look for to help you uh, get a scale as well. Um, and also, I think it, it works more or less like this. Uh, we, are, we all have some kind of Lego pieces, you know. Mm-hmm. You, we all know people, but some people, they can 
they, they can build some amazing things with Lego pieces, and some people can't. So I know a few persons, and some, maybe you, Bonnie, you, Ari, you, uh, Nish, and everyone who is listening to us, they, they know people too. Uh, and maybe they are touched by what we are saying right now, uh, but maybe they don't think how they can relate to each other to make things like what we are talking about to grow. So I think uh, it's important to make to getting things done and uh, making connections and, hey, I just heard uh, these guys talking in uh, Cough Break with Game Changers and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And then eventually these connections happen and eventually things start to happen as well. In interesting perspective, Carlos, I have a question for you before we get Nisha's POV and, and we only have a few minutes left to the show. I will do a quick pr- uh, predictions round. The question for you, Carlos, is it sounds to me like Talking about what you're doing is important. It's critical. People need to hear about you. Yes, you contacted Google, but you said people called you. That means you were promoting perhaps on social media, perhaps in local press, perhaps uh, verbally on, on podcasts, doing other radio shows, TV appearances, getting in the news. So what would your advice be to a social enterprise that needs that kind of visibility so people know what you're doing, they know who you are, and they can explore whether to combine forces with you. Quickly, what, what was your, your method to let people know you were there and what you were doing? Well, I think word of mouth is the best uh, marketing uh, strategy that you can have. Okay, so when you do a, a great job, for example, there are thousands of people with disabilities using Levox here in Brazil, uh, and eventually someone knows a TV station and they will say, hey, my son is using this and you should talk to this guy. And that's how uh, many people approached me. Uh, and so I think word of mouth is, is an amazing uh, tool if you can use it correctly. Thank you very much. Nish, love to get your POV on this. I can give you, why don't you talk a minute on this topic and then we'll quickly give everybody a 30-second predictions round. Go ahead, Nish. Sure. So I, I think I started to allude to it a little bit and Carlos put it into really tangible words when he was speaking about some of the other organizations and what the business priority should be. But I think it can be hard to turn down opportunities to partner or to receive a donation when you're a company that's in that startup and growth mode, uh, particularly a social enterprise where you really can rely on that to help you accelerate your impact. But it's important not to jump at every offer and to really look at what will Mm -hmm. accelerate your trajectory and what's worth that investment. And as Carlos kind of came back and said earlier, that investment could be financial, but it could be, you know, if you're the recipient organization, it's a huge impact on you to give away your time, to put any of your personnel or resources on it. What is that level of disruption? Is it worth the disruption? Um, and then from the donating side, whether it's a corporation or another type of organization, for us to really do the due diligence to make sure that the receiving organization can consume what we're looking to provide. And that's sort of speaks to my comments earlier about some skin in the game and also just looking at their capacity to be able to sustainably carry on what you're giving. Um, And then on a side note, I think I just want to say that the comment Ari made about mission alignment, it is so critical. And it's something that I've found that there's a lot of synergy that exists for sure with social enterprise and corporate partnerships. But I'd love to see, you know, in the future opportunities where corporations can kind of join forces when they have a shared vision around what they're trying to accelerate. I think there's a real opportunity for like-minded corporates to come together to do more leveraging, you know, our investment. Thank you, Nish. Guess what? I'm going to give you each 30 seconds for a very, very quick predictions round. This is called the crystal ball. Dr. Ari Meyer, 
What would be different about this topic? Let's just use my favorite year, 2020. If we met again in 2020, not that far off, what would be different about this conversation in terms of corporate social innovation, corporate good, corporations, enterprises partnering with social enterprises for good for society and business? 30 seconds, what would change? Ari Meyer, go. So I think the interesting point would be around alignment of values. And what I mean by that is we see these days more and more people looking better for a better alignment of their own personal values and the values of a company they choose to work with. So, for example, there is a research that shows that 15%, like more than 50% would take a pay cut if the company represents their values. And I think this trend will continue and companies would be challenged to find new ways to leverage their resources to give back to society in a way that would be aligned with the values of the people they want to attract. So if you want to attract creative, innovative, idealistic people, you have to innovate yourself and find ways to give back to society in those ways. Thank you very much. Carlos Pereira, 30 seconds, and I mean it. We're just about out of time. Quickly, what will change by 2020? Carlos? By 2020, you will say, uh, Carlos' company, just like Google.org, is donating $20 million to social (laughs) entrepreneurs as well. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. That's probably one of the best predictions we've ever had. Thank you, Carlos. Bless you, my child. (laughs) Nish, quickly, 30 seconds. Go, fast. Yeah, so I think the power of technology, it'll grow stronger and more relevant across every sector, every use case scenario you can think of. And let's just hope we don't overdo it. And I'd just love to see more smart partnerships and collaboration opportunities focused on, you know, bringing forward greater social impact, uh, corporate with social entrepreneur, corporation to corporation, intermediaries. I just think smart partnerships and taking our investment further is, is the way to go. Well put. Thank you very much. Dr. Ari Meyer, such a pleasure. Google.org. Carlos Pereros, Pereira at Livox. Carlos, hello. Blessings and peace and all good things to you and your family and all the good you're doing. I, I, I have tears in my heart with joy for meeting you. And, and Nish knows I'm telling the truth. I don't just fake tears for radio. This is the real deal. And Nish Pangali, you always bring me wonderful panels. Nish, come back for part three in a couple of months. We'll get you a date and coffee break with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Shout out to Justin our engineer for getting us on the air and keeping us on the air. Shout out to Karen Geraldo 24, K Geraldo 24 at Deloitte in Canada for tweeting and so many other people. Take a look. Hashtag SAP Radio. We've been busy. Have a great day, everyone. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Like Ari, like Carlos, like Nish, and like me. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 